Welcome to The Home Building Hero, where we help you become the hero of your new home by providing you all the information that you need. No matter if you're an industry pro, you're building, or you're buying, we got you covered here at The Home Building Hero. We're coming to you live today from the LP Studios here in Wisconsin. I'm your host, David Bellman, president of Bellman Homes. Thank you for tuning in today. Today's topic, the battle for the waters of the United States, continues. All right, this is a pretty long and complex topic, and it's been a battle that's been happening between a lot of industry trade groups, especially the building industry and the Farmers Bureau, as well as a lot of other trade organizations with the federal government. And this battle is called the Waters of the United States. And the acronym for it is WOTUS, W-O-T-U-S. So you might hear this or you might have seen this around probably many times. And this thing just keeps coming back and coming back. It's kind of like a cockroach. It's kind of like herpes. It just never goes away. And it, it it's just been a nuisance for really everybody involved. And it's definitely a philosophical battle, uh, an ideological battle. Um, between a lot of different people. And it doesn't seem to have a real good consensus either way. So what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm going to talk a little history of this WOTUS uh, ruling and uh, go over kind of the key markers on it and then also kind of what's happening with it today because there's a lot of action happening on this. And it's very, very impactful to the building industry. Um, the long and short of it is basically there's a lot of argument going on about the definition of a waterway and what should be protected and what should not be protected by the federal government. Okay, that's the ideological battle, but how it affects home builders and land developers is the government is trying to grab more power to take more control over anything with water on it. And what's happening is that is creating all this confusion in the development and the farming worlds because um, when this thing really ramped up, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but when this really ramped up, um, they were literally considering any piece of property that had any kind of water on it. It could be a little track from your tires on your tractor that got water in it. It could technically be a waters of the United States and then have all this extra um definitions and permitting that had to go on. So you could literally take a property and you could sideline it from development for years, months, uh, as it went through this process, which is obviously doesn't make a lot of sense and would, would just prohibit just about any kind of development. Okay, that's the overall overarching philosophical battle here. But let's go back. Let's talk about this bill and kind of where it started, where it got ramped up and those kind of things. So Way back in 1972, there was a bill called the Clean Water Act. And what its basic purpose was, was it, it was to take waterways like streams and rivers and find ways to limit pollution. Okay. So overall, you know, good intent of that bill, right? Um, we didn't want companies or factories dumping their waste into a river. It goes downstream and then it goes right into, you know, your water treatment plant. And now you guys, people drinking this tainted water, right? Totally get it. Makes sense. However, one of the fatal flaws of this law was that they never really defined what a waters of the United States was. So 
that was always a very flawed bill. And you're going to hear later, you know, testimony and, and court rulings stating such. But that was that was really where this all started. Now, it kind of, you know, went in the background for a long time until we got to um, around 2015. This is during the Obama administration. In fact, May 27, 2015, I did my research, uh, they passed the Waters of the United States ruling. Now, this was very, very controversial at the time because this is where they really ramped up the federal control. They ramped up and started defining any kind of water on a property uh, that would fall into waters of the United States. It created mass confusion for development. Um, it was very controversial uh, because, again, you could have a heavy rain and a puddle on your property, and now all of a sudden if you have somebody from the EPA or Army Corps of Engineers come out, they could say, hey, waters of the United States, all these extra permits, all this extra stuff you got to do, and, yeah, you may not get to develop your property. Not, not, not really a, a good scenario. Or think of a farmer. You can't farm this land because there's a ditch here. Well, I put the ditch here so I can water my crops. Well, it's waters of the United States. You got to stay so many feet away from this. You can see the ramifications of this. This became a lot more than just about protecting streams, rivers, uh, lakes, and those sort of things. This became about literally property control. And it was super controversial. Okay, so this battle went back and forth, lots of fights, lots of arguments. I remember going, uh, meeting my legislators and talking about all this stuff for, for years. And really, it, it did never really advance all the way. And then what happened is um, on February 28th of 2017, like I said, I'm doing my research here. Uh, there was an ex executive order by President Trump to repeal and replace the waters of the United States ruling. So... They said, hey, we got to do something about this. So they kind of put the kibosh on it. And then the EPA also then came in a little bit later and they blocked the waters of the United States rule. So the EPA agency came in and said, yeah, you know what? We're just going to flat out block this rule. It's too confusing. We're going to stay away from this thing um, until we come up with something better. The problem was no one came up with anything better. Um, it basically was just like, we're just going to leave this and, and, and it's blocked now and we're just going to go back to the previous definition, which was a little more clear because it did talk more specifically about waters and lakes versus puddles, streams, ditches, those kind of things. Okay. So anyway, that's kind of what happened. And then <laughs> recently, why this is coming back in the news is in December, I believe it was either the 30th or the 31st of December, basically of 2022, right at the end of the year, President Biden signed an executive order to uh, re renew the WOTUS ruling from before. This was done intentionally. This was done basically when everybody was gone and when nobody was paying attention and basically said, we're, we're turning the switch back on this thing. We're going to make this happen. Although clearly everything beforehand was very flawed and was a problem. Now you're going to see the ramifications of this coming forward. And we're going to talk about that now. So tries to switch this back on, right? Well, obviously this started a, a lot of groups to get reactivated on this farmers bureau, especially builders association. And um, I think there's 17 total trade organizations that have went together to fight this. And, 
anyway, the momentum started to shift to fight this very strongly. And there's been um, a lot of things happening. And what's what's occurred is the House has already passed what's called the Congressional Review Act, CRA, and also the Joint Resolution of Disapproval. And this happened on March 9th of 2023, so very recently. And it would rescind the administration's new Waters of the United States rule that's supposed to go into effect on March 20th. So this came very timely. It was approved on a vote of 227 to 198 uh, with uh, almost all Republicans and nine Democrats voting in favor of it. Okay, so that's kind of the most recent regi- or, you know, ruling on it. And it's now um, going before the Senate and um, it comes uh, to vote very soon. But even if the Senate passes it, Biden uh, is likely to veto this resolution. So it's not going to make it all the way through, even if the House and the Senate all agree on this. So they've had more and more meetings about this stuff. And this is basically um, from one of the, um, the first vice chairman of the National Association of Home Builders, Carl Harris. He said, uh, the WOTUS rule is a perfect example of federal overreach. It's so vague that builders cannot determine the most basic activities undertaken on their land and will subject them to the Clean Water Act's permitting requirements. In short, the rule increases home building costs at a time when the nation is in the midst of a housing affordability crisis. So very well said there. Thank you, Carl. And basically, they also got um, uh, some someone named um, Murphy to testify. I don't know his first name. I apologize. Um, but basically, what he said... Just is that the WOTUS rule increases federal regulatory, regulatory power over private property and increases litigation, permit requirements, and lengthy, lengthy delays for any business trying to comply. And all these costs go into the overall project costs, just increasing the overall expense, and the builders and developers have to finance and carry these costs until the property is sold. So again, this is this is very dangerous for development and very difficult to make work. So the other things that were going on is there were some other cases that have uh, went on over the years. So back in 2006, there was the Rapins versus USA case, which fought to um, define this better. Uh, so there were some other things in the past. And then there was another ruling um, that's coming up. It's called Sackett versus EPA. And it's focused on the legality and um, the significant nexus test, which is a critical part of the rule. And we're waiting for that verdict to come in, and that'll be interesting to see where that happens. But again, this new RODIS rule extends the area in which a home builder is required to get federal permits, like I mentioned earlier. And it really can impact the amount of developable land. And then, of course, if you have less land that you can develop, that means that you have basically... Uh, more expense to to your property. You buy a piece of land for a million dollars and now you can only use 40% of it versus 60%. Your lots are going to be more expensive. So that's obviously the crux of the battle here. Now, recently, there's been a new development in this Waters Rule. And it's continuing to show that this is a very, very flawed policy, a flawed rule. And... um, basically in a pretty big victory for developers and landowners and farmers 
the U.S. District Court for North Dakota has ruled that the Biden's Waters of the United States rule cannot be implemented in 24 states while the challenge to the rule moves forward. So 24 states have already come forward and said, listen, actually now it's 26. It's actually been added to, sorry, 26 states now have jumped in and said, this rule doesn't make sense. We're not for this and we're fighting it. So you have over half the country now basically saying this is this is no good. We're not for this. So uh, National Association of Home Builders, 17 other groups are a party to the case. And um, there's a preliminary injunction that was received in the Texas state courts. And now that rule cannot be enforced by the 26 states that have put their name in. I'm going to list the 26 states. And then I'm going to tell you why they ruled this way. So the 26 states that have signed on to um, say they don't agree with this are Alabama, Arkansas, Alaska, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Fortunately, my state of Wisconsin didn't jump in. Kind of bummed about that because we certainly don't want to see this happen either. But here's here's basically, um, in a, in a nutshell, the key takeaways from the North Dakota ruling that said we're going to strike this down. And we have 20, 26 states that are not going to participate in this. The court finds that the new 2020-23 rule is neither understandable or intelligible, and its boundaries are unlimited. Second point, the treatment of the tributaries under the new rule is suspect. Three, the court notes that treatment of wetlands is plagued with uncertainty. We never want uncertainty in any of our legislation. The phrase waters of the United States is a term that's been hopelessly defined for decades and becomes even more so under the 2023 rule. It's doubtful that Congress endorsed the current efforts to expand the limits of the Clean Water Act. There is little that is intelligible about the 2023 rule and the broad scope of its jurisdiction. Final point, the court agrees there are serious constitutional concerns triggered by the implementation of the EPA's new 2023 rule. So you've got constitutional issues, you've got clarity issues, you've got uncertainty, and um, un non-understandable, unintelligible, limitless boundaries, which all chalk up to a really bad piece of legislation. And uh, as we've seen, there's obviously two sides to this. It's it's very controversial. Uh, the the way that it's proposed as of current is is not not going to work. Uh, bottom line is this. We do want to protect our waterways. It's important that we don't have pollution dumped down our rivers and streams. Uh, I'm, again, 100% all for that. I think anybody would be. The problem becomes, I don't think anyone's arguing that. That's not what we're arguing. What, what, what What's being argued here today is the overreach when you just get to private property in farmlands. And there's all sorts of properties that have some sort of water or wetland or puddles or streams or ditches. And to give the federal government full control over that doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why you're seeing all these states fight this and say, hey, we want local control because there are different situations in each property. For example, 
here in Wisconsin, you know, we have properties that will only have water on them for like a day or a week, and then they never have water on them again. For example, I have a subdivision that in spring, when there's still frost in the ground and we get our first heavy rain and there's still frost in the ground, we have water rolling all the way through these little ditches and and there's standing water for like 12, 24 hours, and then there's never water in it ever again. And it's because it's doing what it's designed to do. We've created these flow patterns to move the water into retention ponds. And yeah, I get calls from neighbors every while, oh, there's standing water in my backyard. Yeah, well, there's a foot of frost in the ground and it rained for 24 hours straight and you got an inch and a half of rain. Where's the water going to go? So we've had those conversations. That should not be a waters of the United States especially if there's only water in it for less than 24 hours. So those are some of the just weird things that come up in the challenges or, you know, hey, we are, we're actively developing a property and my guy, my contractor goes in there with his lift to build the, frame the house and he puts some ruts in the property. The next day it rains, those ruts are now filled with water. All of a sudden you have a federal employee coming over going, hey, water's the United States, boom, shut you down doesn't make any sense. It's impractical. It's it's foolish. And that's where the issues are. And we're seeing, we're seeing all these organizations fighting it. We're seeing states say, saying we want local control. And the battle continues. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the Home Building Hero, broadcasting live from the Bellman Home Studio. If you haven't already, please make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future content. Until next time, I'm David Bellman, signing off.